Welcome to the Same Side Selling Podcast, dedicated to modern sales and marketing, innovation, and leadership. Here's your host, Ian Altman. Hey, it's Ian Altman. Welcome to the Same Side Selling Podcast. We're joined this week by Allison Stratton. Allison is the co-author of the new book that I absolutely love called The Jackass Whisperer. How to deal with the worst people at work, at home, and online, even when the jackass is you. They've written five best-selling books. Um, they're the host of the Unpodcast and the curators of the Unmarketing brand. We're going to talk about the biggest misconception people have about negative feedback and interacting with the jackass in your world. We'll talk about different scenarios and how you respond to those that shapes the outcome and specific things that you can do to ensure that when there's a jackass, it's not you. You're going to learn a ton and have a lot of fun with Allison Stratton. Allison Stratton, welcome to the show. I really like that welcome. Can you can you record something so when I walk in the house, it says, Allison Stratton, welcome to the house. I like that. I will certainly do that. <laughs> I will send it to you. I'll do it in three different variations. <laughs> the one will be a surprise. <laughs> Allison Stratton? Is that you? Welcome to the house. <laughs> so we'll have, we'll have that. And then, of course, the problem is Scott's going to want one because I know how he yes, is. Yes, <laughs> he probably will. One of our big accomplishments in our careers was getting the movie guy, vo- voiceover guy, to do the intro for our on podcast because it says like, you know, it's in the movie voice and it's like, <laughs> Allison Stratton, it's awesome. And that was a major accomplishment for us just because we wanted to hear our names in that voice. Yeah, well, you know what happens? Of course, we can always reach out to Scott McCain yes. to record anything. I mean, Scott could Scott McCain could read the phone book and be like, oh man, I got I got I got to get more phone book. He has an <laughs> epic voice. Scott oh, yeah. McCain has an epic voice. It is a an iconic voice. So, can you start by sharing something surprising about you that people may not know? Well, so in the process of writing the book that we're going to talk about, we talk about you know, pet peeves and the things that irritate us. And we actually have a scorecard. And so I've been telling this to people a lot, but I don't think they believe me that when Scott and I did our scores for how many, there are 125 jackass moves in our book, which are like, we call jackasses the purveyors of pet peeves. So like the people (laughs) who bring these irritations to our lives. I was like by far a bigger jackass than Scott. And people don't believe me, which is funny to me, but... I guess it makes sense to them. Well, I I can believe that knowing you and knowing Scott, I can believe that only because I believe that you are more (laughs) (laughs) self-aware. And that could be, that could be the main reason. So you scored higher because you're more self-aware and Scott's thinking, I'm going to tell him that. that. I'm going to tell him that. That's the best possible reason. That's a kind, (laughs) it's such a way for you to say it. It's so kind to say that. All of my all of my things that I've done are actually just because I'm more self-aware. So thank you for framing it in such a positive way. Well, for me. well I, I believe that it's more like you read some of these in the Jackass Whisperer. You read some of these and you're like, you know, most of us are like, no, I don't think I've ever done that. And I can picture Scott going, nope, 
nope, nope. <laughs> and you're thinking, well, there was that one time at the grocery store. I'm going to give myself a one for that. <laughs> I would say like, so you've been married longer than me, but I would say that one of the successful keys to marriage is not doing each other's score. <laughs> like, I don't do Scott's jackass score. He doesn't do mine. And I think that's why we are we're happily married. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? I gave Deborah the book and I asked her to score me. And and then, and then like, and, and I said, well, do you want to share the result? She said, no, but do you have a calculator? And so, so that was, that was the key for me. And, <laughs> and, and I want, I wanted you on to talk about the book because I mean, I read it and it was, it's one of those laugh out loud things, but also helps you become way more aware of the different circumstances where we have a choice about basically a how we respond to someone who's being a jackass and b becoming aware of when we might actually be the jackass which is what i love is the whole notion of the jackass whisper and and the the subtext of even when you're the jackass absolutely cuz um, the more like the more we go through so we started doing we ended up with 125 jackasses all yeah. in different situations you know like the jackass is in transit, which is a fun one for us because we travel a lot. Oh, or yeah. the jackass at the gym, which is fun for me too. Or the jackass has a kid to talk about all our parenting stuff. And then for each one, we did two reactions. So either there's a jackass reaction, which usually amplifies the frustration and pays the frustration forward. So they sure. take their irritation, they take it in, and they just pass it along to the next person. Or the whisper reaction, which is usually has to do with thinking about intent and taking a beat and sort of realizing that there's a way you can deal with the situation that would diffuse it and kind of stop the spread of this negative attitude, I guess. Yeah. And, and I think in, in business and in politics, in our world, we tend to, another way I almost think of the, the jackass behavior is the pile on behavior. It's like, Absolutely. well, you think that's something now let me magnify it. Or someone says something that's confrontational and then you elevate it to a higher level of jackassery. And I think what we found was like, if you keep running into jackasses, like if you're a person who keeps being frustrated everywhere you go, maybe the common denominator is you and it, <laughs> it might be you. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that you, it is, but it, but maybe it could be. And, and that seems to be really common, right? Or that certain situations tend to bring out that sort of stress, like travel or like things with kids maybe, or in business, it brings out a certain stress and that amplifies and makes people even more irritable to things. And, and Allison, what's the greatest misconception that you think people have about that kind of jackass behavior? I think that the way we're all feeling like interacting with all of these sort of irritations during our day isn't important because I think it is. When we started writing the book, it was very sort of about, like I said, these purveyors of pet peeves for the little irritations in our lives. We're not talking about, you know, bringing down a regime, you know, or, or, you know, ch challenging huge, uh, you know, government changes. What we're really looking at is all these little irritations that happen during our day and how, if we could just, get a little of that energy back that kind of gets sucked out of us, that we'd have so much more energy and be so much more kind to each other that we could solve some of those bigger problems. And it seems like that was my biggest surprise was trying to convince people like, no, if you weren't always irritated, if you weren't constantly bumping into these frustrations along the way, wouldn't you have more energy? Wouldn't you be, wouldn't the world 
be a nicer, kinder, more understanding place. And I was sort of surprised by that. Like as I talk to people, they laugh and sort of, you know, they'll say, yeah, I hate when my teacher does that or I hate when my friend does that. But it's bigger once you sort of look at it in a bigger scope. And, and that was something that I think has surprised people as we've talked about the book. Well, and there were certain things that that I read in the book that just made me laugh out loud or made me think, okay, that's totally true. You've got you've got a piece in here where you talk about the pet peeve of the signature block. And it's like someone sends you a one sentence little little email, and then there's like four screens worth of their signature block, including the confidentiality statement that ends which i hope you read please on, read it thoroughly that, that ends <laughs> that ends i might add with this message is intended to be read by the recipient if you receive this message in error please disregard delete destroy your phone and bleach your eyes <laughs> so yes that was not lost on me at all Good. but that's that's one of those pet peeves where there's always this fine line between what do, you, what do you include and what don't you include? And I know there's a compliance person who says, no, no, it needs to have all this. Yeah. But the reality is like 1% of their messages need to have it, not all of them. Yeah. And, I, and I, like I said, I think that's a very small portion of the population that actually needs, like we're not, we're not, I'm not talking about when you have to email with your lawyer or when, you know, people are passing around confidential. I, I understand why that message is in emails, but you know, one of the big irritations with people, when you ask me like, what's your biggest pet peeve? Oh my gosh. Like email, like w- people do not know how to use email and it's, almost 2020. And the long signatures is one of those things that's always driven us crazy when it's just this little message. And usually there's like, like a picture under it, like some of the the flowery kind of signature and then this crazy long signature. And, and that's really sort of, you know, the general idea when you're looking at business, what we saw where it's a lot of these little things, you know, it's, it's the reply all to everybody. It's the, it's the super long email. It's the not respecting your coworkers in the kitchen. It's all these little tiny things, which taken one by one, not a big deal. But if you continuously get more irritated as you go about your day, you're a maniac by the end of it. So, well, and, as, and as you say, it's the reheating the fish in the microwave <laughs> in the office. That's just not right. <laughs> and just- actually I told, I, I think I wrote it in the book, but I told uh, Scott for sure when we were doing the audio book and recording was that the only reason I have I don't have more jackass points when I took my score was because I never really had a real job in an office. I'm, I'm convinced <laughs> that if I had had a proper job in an office, my jackass score would have been off the charts. Yep. And, and part of part of the lesson in this, because as much as it's entertaining, I think there's some great takeaways and good value for people to get from this, largely related to how you react and respond. Like a classic example is when I'm dealing with people in sales roles they will often say to me, well, I've sent two messages person. They haven't responded. So they clearly don't respect my time. They clear, And they jump to all these conclusions. And I will often say, well, you know what else could have happened? No, <laughs> yeah, like, what? Or- I'm like, well, life could have happened. Like yeah, they could be on vacation. They could be in the hospital. Someone they care about could be in the hospital. They could have had something that's a higher priority. Wait, wait, wait for it. Than you. Yeah, like we all do. Or maybe, just maybe, you didn't send a very good email. Yeah. Or you don't sell a very good product or service, or they're just not into, like, there's so many reasons. And we're very, very quick to turn it around at that other person, right? The instinct is immediately take the blame, push it off yourself and, and point it at a person. And they're the ones that are being inconsiderate to me. Like, how dare they not get back to me? And I think that the problem is we, 
we don't give anyone the benefit of intent. And, and I'm not talking in every situation. Obviously, there are situations where the intent doesn't matter. But I think for something like a long email signature or even the food in the microwave or all the general workplace things we do, a lot of it is intent. And, yeah. and, and so much and can be diffused in our own minds when we're in this situation that intent can make it, if we can appreciate their intent, we gain some empathy for them. And all of a sudden we're able to move through it in a way that we come out on the other side of the interaction better. Like one of the things we talked about at a pet peeve in an office, for example, were fundraisers, right? Like, sure. you know, the people at work always looking for money for this, are always looking for money for that. And how irritating it can be to have someone constantly like, coming in your face, telling you, you have to buy something constantly. And, you know, there's one of the way with a whisper reaction to that one is just, you know, put on a bulletin board in the main room in the office. This is the only place where you can post your things when you want to sell something and you put it here. It's like the simplest calmest, quietest reaction. I think the jackass reaction for that one, if I'm going to remember it off the top of my head, was something about getting them to donate to your foot fungus cream. To your toe fungus That's walk. Right. Yes, I believe that was it. I believe that was it. Just in case you're just in case you're wondering <laughs> if I hadn't read it. Yes, that one that one resonated with me. I thought that was pretty funny. Like, which you know which I, mean? I believe then you said, and that really just involves walking to walking the drugstore, but it's a lot. <laughs> And, and, you know, that's one of those things. I mean, obviously some of them are funny and meant to be humorous, but, you know, we all know that we know, you know, Jeff in accounting is constantly going to be asking us for money. We hate him. We're just so angry because this man's trying to sell something to raise some money. There's so many nicer, calmer ways to handle things. And, and also don't forget, we've all gone into our workplaces selling, you know, Girl Scout cookies or selling something. We've done those things. We've all asked people to donate money to things we're raising money for. So maybe we should be a little more kind when somebody asks us. Yeah. I remember, I remember growing up and my, my dad ran a clothing manufacturing business and, um, of and course so, he did. and, and my I grandparents was, did too. Yeah, <laughs> they probably knew each other. Probably. So the, um, and I wanted to sell, we were selling raffle tickets for my baseball league and it was a competitive thing. And so I said, hey, dad, will you sell some of these in the office? He said, no, but you can come provided that no one knows who you are. So you can't say that you're my son because I had never really gone to their office before. Yeah. Um, and, and that's fine. And so, so I'm, I'm walking around the office. And of course, I had figured out that the raffle tickets, you bought them for a dollar and you got a $2 coupon for, for off of a pizza. <laughs> and so I would walk into someone and say, Hey, are you a pizza person? Yeah. Do you like so-and-so's pizza? Yes. Well then I've, I got a deal for you for every one of these tickets you buy, you get $2 off. So it's a almost salesman like, from a young age. I was like 11. And so, <laughs> so you'd be making money at this. And, um, and so after going through and selling several books of these tickets, this one guy says, Oh man, let me, I, I know where you can really sell a lot of these. And this guy walks me into my dad's office and says, uh, that's it, amazing. It says, Hey, you, you got to talk to this kid. This is great. I know your family eats this pizza. And my dad just like hangs his head down and starts shaking. Like, why is it? I'll tell you later. <laughs> it's like, Probably so proud of you. And like a certain part of his brain is just like, that's my boy. Yeah. I think he's going to be a sales expert. I think yeah, maybe that's amazing. It's pretty, it's pretty funny though. But, but that notion of how do you solve the problem? So instead of getting wound up and it's funny, cause I see this in personal relationships where we've got some friends who these couples where they just have this great relationship. And if you think about it, when your spouse or someone you care about does something that doesn't work for you, 
you can either say, oh, that's kind of funny that that happened, or you can be pissed off about it. Yeah. And I think that in every place in life, if our coworker doesn't do something, we can either say, wow, you know, it's funny that you've done it that way. I wasn't expecting that and kind of make a lesson out of it. Or you can say, I can't believe so-and-so did that and be pissed about it for the, for the rest of the day, week, month, or century. And I think that's sort of the ultimate in appreciating intent, right? Because if you're talking about your partner, or even if it's a business partner or someone you've been working with or an old friend, there's so much, in, there's so much goodwill built up that when they do something that maybe you don't like or surprises you, you have that benefit of the intent where you know this person, you're connected with them. And so you sort of get past it and you figure out a, a kinder way to work yourself through the conflict. And that when we encounter strangers, we just automatically get angry. Yep. And, and, I, and I think that intent, like just thinking about, even if it's not true, even if you're making a backstory up in your head for the rude salesperson, you're like, they probably had a bad day. Or I wrote a story, one of the, one of my favorite ones in the book is my son, uh, one of our kids, Jacob came home and said his history teacher made them watch the mummy. I don't know if you read this one, but, <laughs> and <laughs> it's one of my favorites. And I was, and I was pretty upset. Like I'm, I'm quite strict about school. And I felt like, you know, he's in history class. Why are they watching Brendan Fraser's The Mummy? And I wrote this long rant about, you know, how first of all, like it, it's a terrible movie. And that second of all, you have a huge breadth of, of information to work with. There's a history channel. Like you couldn't pick a better history movie than a fictional movie about a mummy. <laughs> and so I just went off on it. And then at the end, I'm like, but when I actually talked to my son and when the actual situation happened, what I did was talk to my son about teachers needing breaks too. And that we don't know what's going on with the teacher. And that this doesn't mean that because I'm upset about something that he can disrespect that teacher or not be a good student. And I think that that's really important because that's part of the intent. It's saying like, I wouldn't want to be the person at, you know, the overworked teacher. That wasn't the career path I chose. And I appreciate what they're doing. And so instead of, you know, calling the school furiously complaining about, you know, the movie, I just, reinforce with our kids that they should respect their teachers. And and so it's sort of a twist on this sort of irritation being turned into what can we actually do? Like what's the actual constructive thing we can do to help everyone get along better. And and, and I think that the, I think that one of the, one of the kind of lessons there is this notion that if, if you think about it in the world of sales and business growth, you always have sales reps who are complaining because their manager is asking them to update the CRM. Yeah. They're asking them to, you know, to give, you know, give a detailed report on something. And, and, and they often will rant about this and say, oh, they're asking me to fill out all this stupid information. But in, instead of complaining about it, what should they be doing? Well, I think there's a lot of things. So there's, we, we talk a lot about planning, (laughs) which I know is like fantastic until you're actually in the moment of the frustration and you can't do the planning. But there are things in life that irritate us a a lot in that a certain thing bothers us. So for example, in your particular job, if it's the sales thing and if it's the CRM or whatever the task is that your manager is having you do that you hate, if you know you hate it, if you get mad every single time you have to do it, 
then there's a few things you can do. You can talk to your manager about working it a different way. Maybe they always need to be done. Maybe whatever it is always needs to be done the same time every month. So you can plan a little bit or you can give yourself a task that you do enjoy to always do after that task. So it's like the reward, right? For getting that work done. I find a lot of irritations and a lot of jackasses, we meet them when we aren't prepared. We're actually the ones that are late. We're actually the ones that haven't done something. We're the ones trying to get somewhere else and being grumpy. And so we find we, we keep hitting against a wall. So what I would suggest is look at those tasks, look at whatever the things are in your job that constantly have you irritated and see if you can do something with planning. Put them at times of month where you work better. Work on them at different times of day. Maybe you can get flexibility and work on them outside of your office or inside your office or give yourself a reward when they're done. But there's a lot of ways to deal with it beforehand when it's a constant irritation. Yeah, and and I think part of it also is understanding what those people are looking for and why. So if you think about it, if you if 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 someone says, well, they want all this information, say, look, uh, you know, I feel like this is distracting and isn't helping me drive more sales, which I think is our goal. And if I understand the three pieces of information that are most valuable to you, is there a way that I can provide those pieces of information that satisfy what you need and free me up to spend the time on the things that I think will drive more sales? Is that something we can figure out? And you might actually earn some respect from your boss at that point. And actually make a change, right? We're, We're all very comfortable in complaint mode right? We love complaining about whatever the things are we have to do, but actually planning and making constructive or having a constructive conversation with our manager, our bosses and saying like, why am I doing this? Or focusing on the, if you know the why, focusing on the why. So yes, I really hate this part of my job or I hate this part of my thing that I have to do, but I do it because I know it brings value whether it's to the company or it's personal value or to the customer or to the, maybe it improves the product in some way you know, we're never going to like everything we do. This is life. But when we know the why and we can appreciate the why, it makes it a lot easier to get through those things less irritated. Absolutely. And and I also think that how people elect to complain (laughs) is is a function of whether you're seen as the jackass or whether it works out well. Um, Deborah and I were at this resort. We had, we're empty nesters now. And we went with two other couples who are empty nesters. <laughs> and it's funny because the concierge says, what time do you want to do dinner? And our friend said, whenever we darn well feel like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like for each night, it's because we don't have to worry about anyone's schedule, but our own. Thank you I'm very about much. Like 10 years, eight years behind you. I'm wait. I can't wait. <laughs> and, and, and so we're at this place that is a magnificent resort and we've been there multiple times. And the first night we're there, we went to a place where we kind of had a surly waiter, where the waiter just had attitude. Things weren't great. And we, of course, had built this place up like the panacea that it is. <laughs> and we didn't have this great experience. And so I sent a note into people and then said, look, first, I don't want anything. I don't want you to do anything. It's just we have had so many amazingly over-the-top experiences that if I don't give you feedback, you don't know First of all, here are the things that we liked that went really well, but here are the two or three things that kind of made us feel uncomfortable and I don't believe is consistent with what you train people and just thought this might be a training opportunity. Once again, I don't want anything. I don't need anything. I just wanted you to know. They just got free consulting from like the expert in the field. I I think that you're absolutely right. And that's, it comes down to communication theory, right? Like you're looking at two people. I have my idea in my head. I use all my history and everything I've been through and all my experiences, and I send you a message. And you're on the other hand, with all your experiences and your history, you take it in and you decode it. And 
more often than not, what I meant to say is not what you hear. And that's because we're different people with different experiences. And so when you're talking about the way you complain, it, it makes a huge difference. It makes it, sometimes it makes a bigger difference than what you're actually complaining about because it can either get the receiver's hairs on end and very defensive, or like you said, like what you were really trying to give genuine feedback. So you weren't, you weren't saying like, I'm demanding a free trip or like, do you know what I mean? It's, it's, so much in the way we give the feedback is what keeps us from being the jackass versus just trying to help and because we need feedback, especially in business. We need it from our sure. customers. We, we, we want it. So. And the, the beauty is that the way they interpreted this feedback blew me away. And so we often say that sometimes you can make a greater impression when you mess up and have a great recovery. Absolutely. Than if you never yeah. messed up to begin with. Yep. And and so the manager of F&B, this is a property that has 17 restaurants on property. And so the next night, we make we had reservations in another another place. And of course, they've got systems that know where everybody is and where you've reserved. It's almost do. like a cruise ship in a resort. <laughs> and um, so we show up at the restaurant, and we're there. And about 10 minutes later, this gentleman walks in in a suit. He says, hi, Mr. Altman. I'm so-and-so. I'm the director of F&B. I received your note. First, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to let us know. Um, And just just so you know, no one gets in trouble. We see every opportunity like this, like a training. Because as soon as I see him, I'm thinking, oh, my God, this poor guy lost his job. Yeah. And, of course, he immediately diffuses that by saying, hey, thanks so much for letting us know. We see this as a training opportunity. I just want to make sure that tonight you were in good hands and taken care of. And I've told my team to make sure that we deliver the level of service that you've come to expect from us, et cetera. It's like, oh, that's so nice. The guy. Get this. Sorry, finish. Guy showed up at our table every night we were there <laughs> for the rest of the trip. And, well, I think he, he might have googled you, Ian. I'm just. I think maybe. Yeah. I'm just saying. After he might have checked in on who you were, um, and and that's a perfect example because think about it a different way. Okay, you have a terrible experience at this restaurant, and and instead of doing what you did, you start screaming at the server. Yeah. Or at the host that showed you to your table, especially in that situation, because now you're talking about frontline workers who have very little decision-making power. They weren't a part of the policy that set up whatever. They didn't pick the menu. They didn't set whether everything was going to be hot. They didn't do any of those things. And nor do they have control over fixing them. And usually those are the people that we give the feedback to, usually very angrily. And especially in situations where it's a large purchase. It's one of the things we talk about on flights, right? Because you paid a lot of money to be there. Your expectations are high. And it's the same at a restaurant. So you can see that what you did as a whisper, of course, I knew you'd be a whisper, um, (laughs) was you gave the feedback and you diffused it. Now, on the other hand, the person who got the feedback also was a whisper because they also could have said they could have just completely ignored you. Uh, they could have checked where your next reservation was and made sure you also had a terrible meal at that restaurant. Um, or, or they could have made 17 excuses. Well, we were busy that night. This happened. Instead, it was, they just owned it yeah. and said, you know what? That's, yeah, you're right. That's not the level of service that we expect to deliver. And it, what was fascinating was the guy was off, like whatever it was, Thursday night or Saturday night or something like that. He was going to be off. And so as he's leaving the night before, he says, oh, and I'm off tomorrow, but you'll probably see, you know, Rahelio tomorrow. Yeah. Who's going to stop? And I'm thinking, oh, my God. And it just, it made it so that our friend said, 
why would you ever vacation anyplace else? And keep yeah. in mind, the first experience wasn't stellar, but every experience after that was off the charts amazing. And I just think it's that combination. I think that the the big message in in this book and the Jackass Whisperer is, look, it's not, you know, we need to think about how we react and respond to different situations. And I think that one of the challenges in the world of social media is that zero to 10, everyone responds to everything at an 11. Yeah. And it's, it's the lack of empathy. 11. It's the lack of empathy. Right. And I think that's what we're seeing sort of, I don't, I don't know, like if it's, if it's more now than it used to be, I have no idea, but I, what I see is sort of you need empathy to be able to be in a bad situation and make the best of it. You need you need to un, be able to appreciate what the other person is going through. And if you can't do that, you're much freer to just say whatever the heck you want. Whatever you're feeling is just going to come out. And online, it's even more so because then you're not even looking at the person in the face. Oh, yeah. So it's even more disconnected. And And I think in business, it's critical because you're actually, you, your responses to people is what's going to make your business work or not work. And so it, it's so important. What the, what the place did was make themselves look better after the screw up because we all screw up. Yeah. It's almost impossible to avoid. And so rather than go into that screw up defensive and angry and blaming other people to just take in the feedback and apologize to your customer. And all of a sudden you have a customer now that's going to be even more loyal than before, which is yeah. incredible. It's so basic. It's just like human nature with empathy, but it seems to be... Well, I wrote a book, so obviously we have enough situations where it's not happening. 125 to be example. Oh my gosh. And the first thing that happened when people started actually reading the book was people sending us, we have an email like donkey at Jackass Whisper, where people can send in like their jackasses. Because the first feedback everyone is like, you forgot my favorite jackass. Or like, (laughs) my favorite jackass is this. My favorite jackass is that. So we've gotten all these new entries, especially with the holidays coming. We have a lot of- uh, Oh, I'm sure. People getting ready for the holidays and trying to like, you know, batten down the hatches against the jackass. I'm sure. You know what? Yeah. One of my my favorites over the holidays is the relative who comes in who has a totally different political view than someone else at the table- and purposely drop something, drop some comment. You're like, why are you poking the bear? Yeah. What is it about the holidays that makes us get together with people that we love, maybe don't like all the time, but love and feel like we should have these big debates. I don't understand. What is it about that? Um, Yeah. But especially in business, I think with policies, I think that's one of the big things that happens with policies and why companies have trouble is policy tends to be set high up. And then the people who actually get yelled at or actually have to deal with the problems are the frontline workers. And there's such a disconnect there that I think that that's one of the reasons that we see so many jackasses in business communication too. Yeah. You know what? Absolutely. And I think that notion of when people don't have empathy, they fall into a category that I like to refer to as when people suffer from axis displacement disorder. (laughs) You, that you may be familiar with. So the idea of axis displacement disorder is when the individual believes that somehow the axis of the earth has shifted and now the world revolves around them. It's not going around me. It's not. <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. And in the client, you know, business relationship, that's even more complicated, right? Because you're serving your clients and you're, you're, you're representing your, and the client's supposed to be always right. The customer's always right. And, but they're not. And, but having that empathy business, I don't know if it's like a business empathy is, is so important to being able to have those communications go well. Sure. So, so Allison, I want you to leave us with this. 
um, we're all in situations where we could be the jackass. So what are the one or two things that people should do to minimize the chance that when there's a jackass, it's us? So yeah, <laughs> but you'd rather be it. That's a personality <laughs> trait. If there has to be a jackass, let it be me. Um, I think preparation, like we talked about uh, doing an audit, almost like a personal jackass audit. Like what are the things that you hate the most? Like what are the things that get you really irritated and how can you help alleviate it. So like for me, I'm a very anxious flyer, but I have to fly all the time. So I have a certain ritual, right? I have a ritual that leads up to getting on the plane that makes me feel more in control and calm. And I know I have to be early. I know because every time I step away from the ritual, I meet more jackasses, if that makes sense. So definitely planning, I think, and and self-evaluation. So thinking about why is this bothering me? So it's not only that something's making me angry, something's being a jackass, but also why? So why are you so angry when this happens? Because that's really at the core of connecting to that other person and finding what the empathy, like finding what the empathy can be to diffuse it. So I would say planning and uh, an audit of the things that bother you the most. And then the empathy, you have to just, even if it's funny, like even if you can make yourself laugh, like Scott does this thing where he's very um, stressed out when he's driving. And so what he does, he knows he's going to be stressed out with driving. And it used to make everyone very tense. Like, I don't know if you remember being a kid in the car and your dad or your mom would be yelling, like angry about driving and how stressful it is. So now what he does is he breaks out into song. He uses the lyric, he takes the lyrics for whatever's happening. Like the person in front of him (laughs) is never turning red and he sings it. And it doesn't change anything. It doesn't change that he's irritated. It doesn't change traffic, but he's laughing and smiling because he's singing. And everyone in the car, all the tension all of a sudden is diffused. And instead we're laughing at Scott because he's singing. And, well, and, and so I think that, that those three things are the most important things you can do. And, and, and I, I love one of, my, one of my favorite parts of the book is where you have a quote. You have quotes where it says, don't feed the trolls. You're not the jackass whisperer, Scott Stratton. Don't hit your brother or I'm turning this car around, Allison Stratton. And that sums it all up for me. So what's the what's the best way for people to learn more about what you're doing and to follow the amazing stuff that comes out of your mind? Just go check out Jackass Whisper, jackasswhisper.com or on marketing.com and check it out. I think you guys will really like it. I think it's pretty funny. Ian thinks it's pretty funny. It's, it's, and, it's absolutely hilarious. Yeah. And I think that we can really like, honestly, genuinely, it's funny, but there's a really important message of just being kind and having more empathy for the people you interact with, like professionally and personally. And um, yeah, try and make the world a better place one less jackass at a time. We can only hope. (laughs) Allison, thanks so much for sharing your wisdom as always. Thank you for having me. Allison shared so many great things and I really enjoyed the book. I I, I would encourage you to pick it up. It's a hoot with some great lessons. Let me give you a quick 30 second recap of the key information you can use and apply. Remember that context matters. So intent and context take priority. So when you hear something that you could respond negatively to, think about the context and the intent behind it before you react negatively. Second, remember that it's not always the other person's fault. Sometimes it's us. And if you find yourself surrounded by people who are acting like jackasses all the time, you might be part of the problem. And then remember that power of empathy, that whole notion of being prepared And then having empathy, two of the three key steps to making sure that you're reacting and responding in the right way. Remember, this show gets a direction from you, the listener. 
If there's a topic I should cover or a guest I should have on the program, just drop me a note to ian at ianaltman.com. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everybody can embrace, especially your customer.